Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com Wiggity wham wham wazzle, everybody. It's Tom, your resident cannabis industry lawyer from Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so that you can change them. And today, Pennsylvania is making a lot of moves to legalize, and the governor is pumped about it. Justin Bieber has released a new cannabis collection under the name Peaches, and some Massachusetts cannabis businesses are being bullied into paying more for cops. And there's that and more. But first, drop us a like and hit subscribe. It really helps us grow and spread the good word of legalization. And if you want to get in touch with me, hit the link in the description. It'll take you right to my law blog, which has tons of information about starting a cannabis business in your state. And now on to the show. That was nice. That was not uh, me live. That was right, but. I think also you forgot to mention the, the knowledge base center, like we were talking about earlier. We don't talk yeah. enough about the things that you offer because, uh, you know, when I go, we started making my videos here about audits and mm-hmm. preparation for uh, general practices in the, in the background. I mean, you've, you've got, we got a really good package. You know, I've, I've been in the field in, in calibration for over 15 years. You've yep. been lawyering for 15 years. You know, there's a whole dynamic here, but right on, dude. Yeah, uh, we do own cannabis-consulting.online. We could always then build the thing that I'm building at knowledge.cannabisindustrylawyer and point it over there. Yeah. Uh, however, you know, one step at a time, we're still in heavy dev trying to get it all into Elementor and then spun out because it, it, took, it takes time uh, to, to plug all these things in. Just like hey, let's talk about the cannabis legalization news. Nobody tunes in about my business. It's all about their cannabis legalization news. <laughs> so legalizing marijuana, two Pennsylvania lawmakers have joined forces in a bipartisan effort to get it done. Pennsylvania Live. Nice. Mike Regan, a Republican, and Representative Amen Brown, a Democrat, say by teaming up on a bill legalized marijuana, it demonstrates that the partisan divide that often hinders progress on major legislation can be overcome. And they recognize it's going to take bipartisan support to make it happen. Yep. Brown is a Philadelphia lawnmaker, and he started circulating a memo to his House colleagues seeking support for the proposed marijuana legalization bill that would offer some provisions for decriminalizing for nonviolent marijuana offenses. It would also level the playing field for individuals from marginalized communities to have opportunities to generate money and, of course, that generational wealth by getting into the legal marijuana business. Yeah. No, I think uh, state by state, it's going to happen faster than federally. Well, when they have that generational wealth and the social equity component where they're uh, using uh, a violation of the 14th Amendment to rectify the harms uh, in a restorative justice sort of way, 
uh, it has really created new types of companies that never would have existed if the social equity component of the laws were not there. What will happen as they get challenged in courts, as you know, some states are more, um, they don't believe in this whole social equity thing, uh, or at least not when it comes to the actual equity ownership part of it, but trying to reduce the barriers to accessing the cannabis as a business is it's hard. I mean, like it is expensive yeah. to open these things. We're, we're raising money for cultivate the smallest cultivation in Illinois and it's, it's millions guys. And so like even your small cultivation out there is going to be millions. Well, legalization is not the legalization I thought was going to happen. Right. Like, you know, as a young, when I had hair, um, <laughs> you know, I, I thought like, Oh, right. It could be a sweep of a pen and, and things will happen and we'll be all doing drum circle or some dumb shit, but nope, it, it's not, it's not, um, there's there's business there's uh trade rules there's uh, uh there is infrastructure that needs to be created yeah there's regulations there's seed to sale there's all sorts of things uh, and then those regulations still aren't there they are going to be taking um what years because the hemp regulations still aren't even there and that's been legal for over two years and let's talk more about what's going on in pennsylvania Though on Tuesday afternoon, an interview with uh, at Regan's Capital Office, both of these lawmakers befri who befriended themselves over the summer said they hope that their different vantage points from which they come from can help them find middle ground, and they want Pennsylvania to move forward. If so we can take the violence out of it, and they can regulate it and tax it, and let police focus on really serious crime, I think that's a huge step forward," said the representative. Well, and then what, what violence? The violence is the, the if you, safe access. If you, if you know, it's not a criminal activity. Well, there was violence, man. Like, did you hear about the DEA agent getting shot in Arizona? Oh, my God. And they said there was something related to bag, like a large quantity of marijuana on that. I didn't hear about the marijuana, but what I what I did hear. So I saw that on, the, you know, the little cryons in, in the mm -hmm. bylaw, you know, underneath the stories. And then the, the headlines all uh, D shooting in Tucson, uh, uh, one DEA dead. Right. And mm -hmm. that that title shooting it's kind of like uh it's like it's, it was a random act right like like if prohibition didn't exist uh uh they say they're searching for illegal guns and, and uh drugs but right i, I you know so like what the marijuana if it was and we don't know i mean like right. marijuana could have been one of the components of various other drugs but those various other drugs were not creating the dangerous situation the exactly. illegality of them and the criminality of it, which has pushed the price of it up very, very highly, was the thing that created the the, well, the, the dangerous situation. I mean, that's that's really the weird thing. Well, and honestly, I, I had to say I have to say is prohibition killed that DEA agent. Right. I mean, along with the gun. But if uh, if it was legal. Right. There wouldn't be this normal people don't react in a shootout over like a, a situation because eventually the guy killed himself too i believe but huh. you know but i mean not... it would be more like the irs shootouts right because i'm assuming that everybody hates the irs but you never hear of that you know irs agent lost in the line of duty like that well, doesn't happen right yeah you know you're, you're right though i mean this would be a different the penalties right yeah. what would what, what evolve this guy so it wouldn't have been a 21 gun salute like if it was a uh uh an accountant that was lost in the line of duty it would be like you know a double balance check because like when you're doing your balance sheet you know it has to it has to both balance it'd be oh, like man, a perfect still make up accounting jokes on the fly no i feel you man i uh but yeah it'd be like the perfect excel sheet with uh you know i don't do any of that shit paperwork wise dude 
I'm the guy when you when you do an adjustment in a Microsoft document and everything shifts to the left, mm -hmm. then I give up. I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna have someone like Lauren, please help good, me. Good, good luck. I'm just yeah, I do. I have I send that to, the way that you make that sound professional is you call the department word processing. And so when I have a brief or a memo that I dictate, because I'm a lawyer, so I don't understand how writing works. I just sit there and say, dear whomever, and then uh, why they've breached my rights. Right. Uh, and then I send it to word processing. Dude, even an old time in the military, dude, I, I, uh, those uh, desk, desk jockeys who, who uh, they're always, you know, I created the best Excel file. Hey, that shit. I was like, good on you. Now, now that I'm out, and I really wish I did learn it. <laughs> Because it does come in more times in my life than I want. Yeah, knowing Excel is useful, but you know what? Uh, I'm glad that uh, Pennsylvania is getting bipartisan on it, and hopefully, we can have a bill. One of the things is that I want it. I mean, like the governor's even behind it, which is so so important. Pennsylvania's yeah. governor's behind it, and when the administration isn't behind what the people do, you get a South Dakota situation. But now, if uh, their governor tweeted on Monday, I'm all for legalizing adult use recreational marijuana in Pennsylvania. For me to sign the bill, uh, it must provide efforts to restore justice to Pennsylvanians who have been overpunished for marijuana offenses. General Assembly, let's talk. And if they can have a bill that's bipartisan, that can be passed, that could then go to the uh, uh, administration. And that's where the regulatory authorities start to happen and the yeah. rules are written. Uh, because if it hits the wrong administration, you think they want to write those rules? Heck, no, they don't want to write those rules. You know, um, well, was it Laney, uh, the, the representative we had on here, or Danny, the, the Laney, the Danny, the cat guy? We have had so many representatives. But the Pennsylvania guy. News. The, the, the cat the guy. Pennsylvania guy? Yeah, Leach. Dalen Leach. Leach. Yeah, he's Dalen gone Leach. now. We have to get one of these new guys on. Well, so no, let's but... go reach out to these new guys and get them on the show so we can discuss Pennsylvania cannabis legalization statutes and yeah. regulatory ideas. But well, what they know, had proposed was at that time when we talked to him seemed pretty cool, like good. I think they already have these bills that have good possibilities. They just need the uh, the backing because, I mean, they're talking about a billion dollars being manually generated for the Commonwealth. And that's another thing. Why, why is Pennsylvania called the Commonwealth? Oh, oh, that's a, a, a rule that I actually know the answer to, but it's been so long since I looked it up that I've kind of forgotten. Um, and, and so I think it's because they don't follow Dylan's rule, something like that, where there's uh, the in other place where they follow the home rule, like the, the communities are, are in it for themselves. And there's no like Commonwealth. But um, I would have to relook that up. I looked it up once and I'm like, oh, so that's what a Commonwealth is. Because that's just... like two years ago. Just seems to me legalization overall. I mean, we 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 said it before and again. It's like beating a dead horse, where it's more popular than any Democrat or Republican. Period. But you know, uh, Pennsylvania definitely. I mean, it's 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 a it's a good place. Uh, I, I think it'd be a good. You know, here's the thing too. Like we watched the Morak on Sunday, and these arguments about like, uh, well, how are we gonna? Uh, stop people who are smoking from driving or how are we going to uh, stop people from being smoking and going to work? Well, how are you doing it now? How are you punishing them now? Cause that's how you're going to do it then. Right. <laughs> I mean, Things will be more like today than they've ever been. That's what you have to tell those people when they ask those stupid questions like that, because then you'll tell that to them and they'll kind of have a stupid look on their face. Uh, but when they look, think about it again, they're like, Oh yeah, we're doing it now. It's just, it is today. I'd forgotten. Let's just yeah. people think like when cannabis legalization does happen, because it will, the two faces out of the tube, 
Um, and they think like in, in the arguments at the Morac, where they're like, well, we're just going to enable more smoking. Like not, not every 17 to grandma is going to be high on cannabis. And then even when you look at the word high by definition, what are you talking about? Cause right. I'm sorry. Like uh, it's flossing your endocannabinoid system. How about that? Yeah, exactly. But they hey, don't want to look at it that way. They don't want to look at any use as abuse, by the way. Don't forget Coca-Cola products. They are oh, fuel information. Dude, I don't drink those that often, but I've got a sweet tooth. Well, it's, it's just the, it's the hypocrisy. It's the hypocrisy of it all. But you know what the next shoe to drop, I think, and the lack of hypocrisy is? And one of the just came out of your neck of the woods, man. Uh, there's, there's a lot of shroom booming going on. The decriminalization yeah. of psychedelics for the treatment of diseases like... Uh, depression is really getting, you know, it's, it's Seattle has become the first city, the first large city in the U.S. to dis- decriminalize psychedelics, according to the marijuana moment. Seattle, Seattle City Council approved the resolution Monday, resolution Monday to decriminalize non-commercial activity around a wide range of psychedelic substances, including the cultivation and sharing of psychosilvin mushrooms, ayahuasca, ibogaine, and non-peyote derived mescaline. How Where else is peyote mescaline that's not derived from peyote? I mean, yeah. like. Well, I don't want no synthetic mescaline. Like, I don't want that Marinol stuff. Just give me the thing that grows on the cannabis plant, please. We're so close. We're so close. But where is that line? Like, seriously, can you see the pushback on that? It's like, no peyote. But well, how about I- mescaline? But okay, but it can't come from peyote. <laughs> Fine. You, you got to get it from that. We're going to have to I, see I, some I, COAs that that mescaline didn't come from peyote. Uh, you know, and I don't think how this works living in the, in this city, because, you know, the thing is, when people talk about uh, decriminalization or um, defunding the police and all this other stuff, first off, the police don't stop crime. So it's not like less cops means crime stops. Uh, bad people are going to be bad people no matter what. But like with well, psychedelics, literally stop crime. Uh, well, what, like in the middle of it? Yeah, they're like, stop. I'm with the police. <laughs> so they're trying to stop crime. They don't necessarily, uh, the presence of police doesn't mean that crimes won't happen. Exactly. Yeah. And so like the reduction of crimes, I think, would come with policies like social equity. That's re-injecting monies that are into the most impoverished areas of America that were the most impacted by the failed drug war. Well, and and priorities for law enforcement. Like, Like, you know, a cop should not, I mean, I found myself in many predicaments on several substances that are psychedelic. Uh, in, in, in with other people younger me. And the fact is I've had nice people that helped me guide my way back to, to reality. Cause I mean, you could have a harsh moment where someone just deals with you mm-hmm. and, and just, you know, with, it, with the law enforcement, it seems like it's very aggressive, right? It seems like this is a, some sort of like bullshit, like, like Trumpian thinking, right? When, 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 when Trump talks about like, you know, America was great and all this other crap. And well, I understand you know. that for violent crime prevention and stuff, you know, that kind of makes sense. You almost have to meet violence with violence. But right. uh, when they're talking about like, we know what's in your suitcase, it's that plutonium, you know, you're not allowed to have that plutonium, Fred. We've been authorized to use lethal force. That makes way less sense. You know, uh, it, it, it's what well, you right. When you when you when you deal with someone on psychedelics though, uh, which I have, you know, even even in my house one time when we first moved in there, this guy was clearly on something, climbed my fence, started walking towards, and, and I was like, "Excuse me," and then I, when I confronted the guy, I could see his pupils were dilated, and 
the guy was definitely like not aggressive, just mm-hmm. trying to get somewhere, right? Just somebody that was tripping balls on something. And now, unfortunately, I wasn't going to talk him down and and and, and be the the Come. like. Yeah, I was just like, this is not the place to be hanging out. So I, you know, it's in your best interest to not jump my fence and go go walk that way to a park or something. But uh, you know, and that's the thing about law enforcement, right? Or being a bouncer. Or, you know, at a, at a bar, like people, there, there's less harm when bouncers are dealing with these all aggressive people and, and, and you know, how many lives are lost. They're, they face culpability. And that's the problem right. with like the, the police, you know, like unless they can treat humans like humans and expect that, that we're going to have these issues. But and why sec- are they also providing like, you know, uh, services that first responders should be providing? Right. That's silly. You know, it's they ask too much of them. They should have more of a specific understanding of what their job is to do, uh, in my opinion. But like, that's the thing. It's the police power. It's ultimately local. And so what works in Batavia, New York may not work in, um, oh, I don't know, Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, I think the size of cities, but I think in the end, though, it will work. Right. Because we're all people. Right. Like like cannabis should be decriminalized everywhere. You know, just like mushrooms, and, and and that way we can have a proper understanding of drugs and how the, our systems work. You know, from drugs includes sugar to, to to heroin. You know, it's a whole gamut. It's not just the scheduled list. You know, it's a, it's things that are out in the uh, uh, that are plants as well. You know, plant based, and then versus the uh, lab base. Yeah, there's that. But I'm just going to take a small aside to say anti-dilution clauses can help you from losing control of your cannabis company. Anti-dilution clauses, that or limited partners. What uh, uh, but, uh, are, you, are you dealing with some shit right now? I had to do a quick email. So uh, somebody doesn't appreciate my, my, my analogy of drugs from sugar to heroin, but it, 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 it's a probably a sugar junkie talking. <laughs> so what do you mean? Excuse me, I'm going to just have another bite of my ice cream sundae. It's uh, delightful. Well, and, 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 you know, our diets are different than they were 100 years ago. But in the mm. end, oh, here we go. What? What? Oh, my gosh, is it? Yes, sir. Thank you to our new members, Ron Collins, got to make you story. Thank you, Vanessa Lopez, Aaron Crumps, Richard Checkman, Scruffy Nerf Herders, <laughs> Patricia Smith, JP3, thank you for the Mickey story, Ro Myers, William Laws, Aaron Zeman. Oh, shit, man, I got to call you, dude. I'm sorry. Mike, Frank Henry, Daniel M. Bergen Jr., Old Oak 64, Bob Stanford, Mr. Nobody, and Georgia Cannabis Society. Nice. Given to Freedom Grove for this month, we didn't have a very large month, but we do have 87.18. So I'll go make that donation after the show. Um, and then we aren't able to make a lot of money on YouTube. It's not how collateral collateral base pays my living. And the more people that go there and, and hire us for helping with their cannabis issues, cool. Uh, then we'll be able to continue to give away money to uh, Freedom Grove forever. Uh, and so if you become a member, uh, that's the most likely way that we can uh, then use your money to then go contribute to them and also pay for some stuff around here, like uh, that mic or that camera. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, we're still, 
I don't know, Matt. We're in a weird spectrum, right? Because we've been activists for MySpace days, and you mm -hmm. know, I've I've been doing it since I was a teenager. And you know, I, I my foot in the door has been volunteering, and right. then the next foot was been media because that's what I like to do is write. And then now that with the podcast, and now I realize, holy shit, I can do my regular job in an industry in this yep. structured recreational market. Like, you mean that weed has standards? Right. Well, it just, I always thought like every job is lateral in cannabis, but I never understood how like my quality control, like I've always understood, yeah, yeah, the labs, but now finally other people are seeing the importance of labs. You know what I mean? Like, just like we're trying to teach people like cannabis, is not the drug that you taught and you know, what's going to die. It's taken us this far to get this long. And as I've been saying, lab regulations, plant regulation, that's still be another 10 years before seed to sale goes away. Because in the end, it's not for sale won't go away. It's for the well, it, seed to sale go blockchain before it goes away, in my opinion. Everything's gonna go blockchain though. Like you're well, gonna know where everything is. And so the, the inventory control systems of the future will be seamless and elegant, but uh, we're not there yet. But, but when we say so, like inventory control systems, though, that's only necessary for both the the grower and the, uh, the whole the, system, because like you have to understand the authorities, the powers that be that say this here plant is now legal. Uh, they want their beak wet. But see, two things to that, though. There's what, what seed to sell is being monitored in making beer or alcohol like like, well, they, they have some other method that they're using in that respect so that the people are paying their taxes. And then if they aren't paying their taxes, you know, they, they probably have like a um, weight and measures. It's like, how much beer did you make? That, those types of records and inventory control is probably being done. And so is that seed to sale? To a certain extent, it is because that alcohol tax is out there. So when Johnny right. Walker ships something, they have to weigh it and they have to cut a check to the feds. So that amount of regulation, that ain't going anywhere. And I could see it going into like um, uh, uh, the reason why it would be really cool if you had it in blockchain, because then the cannabis becomes an object in, in some type of database somewhere. And you can have a QR code. And when you scan it, it'll give you the whole story of that beautiful nugget. It was I mean, yeah. on this date. It was harvested on this date. These are the genetics. This is the, the terpene profile. This is the THC content. All that good stuff. That, you can yeah. even have like the grower in there going like. <laughs> but, that, but yeah, I, I understand yeah. what you're saying as far as like blockchain. And, and that's definitely viable as far as like uh, being because, uh, you know, the blockchain or, 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 or in crypto, it's kind of about the energy being spent. Right. And especially with the plant, each individual plant is having a bunch of energy being inputted via the electricity bill versus the food you put into it and the time you're putting into it. But when, when I say like overall too, it's like, you know, pharma, like say Vicodin or uh, a lot of these like drug uh, opiate uh, manufacturers, part of the opiate crisis was when they, when they issue out these drugs, they, they expect a loss. They expect like 30%, something huge. They expect mm -hmm. a huge loss, like just for it to be disappeared into the market. Right. Like, like another way. Yeah. But then, you know, I do want to answer uh, this one. But then if you guys want your questions answered, consider throwing us uh, you know, super likes or whatever or becoming a member. We answer member questions. And uh, is inventory control skill set and experience in high demand in the emergency cannabis industry? Yes. Yes, uh, it is. Because one of the things that we have to do is I, I set up a seed to sale system so that everything inside the farm is completely tracked. And that's one of the reasons why we're going to just not go uh, zero to 100 right quick. But we will start it operational and be like, dude, dude. And so somebody with an inventory control skill set that's already worked in relational databases 
or in uh, the BioTrack is what we use. Metric is also another one that's familiar with those systems would be able to be an inventory manager. Right. And yeah, definitely, definitely an inventory <clears throat> manager. But there will be a time, I think, though, when the state doesn't need to know about your farm. You know, eventually... The farm. But you're, but you're, 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 it's a misconception, man. Like the state knows about your brewery. And so you're that we're asking for parity with, with alcohol. So the state's always going to know about your farm. Right. But I mean, like, just like, like you said, with parity, like with Vivian, you know, we, we just want cannabis to be treated like alcohol, but I don't think they, they, they're out there like weighing the barley fields, you know, the, the barley. No, product. no, they, they weigh the finished product. They weigh right. the finished product. And so like the finished product, yes, it would be nice that we get to a point where we trust the growers enough to not slip it out the back. But the only way that we're going to get to that point is if we have a federal policy that's uniform so that there is no back to ship it out of. But even now, you have organized crime that will steal cigarettes so that they could sell them in a different state. Right. Yeah. So no, that, no, that, that won't change. Yeah, no, I, I totally see that part too, but. I, I just think it's an unnecessary as someone who isn't in a regulatory field. It just, I hate excess dumb shit, especially for this plant. It's just, you know, uh, if you just require lab testing and then require different parameters, like, yeah, sure. Check THC, but also check the CBN, CBG, the terpene level, you know, different profiles, so many things you can look at and then just say, or, or pesticides too, and metals and, and yes, positive for these and not a negative. Hey, uh, you know, we have some uh, stuff I wasn't expecting news. Let's get to that. Sure. Do we have that bumper? Did you know that marijuana ranks among the best treatment for persistent existence? The Onion is reporting. Uh, <laughs> Noting the numerous therapeutic benefits of cannabis, a new study published on Tuesday by researchers at Mount Sinai Hospital found that marijuana ranks as the foremost treatments for persistent existence. Yeah, it helps me get over dumb shit. Yeah, I understand. But it's The Onion, which, of course, is a satirical magazine. But then the satirical yeah. headline is kind of true because let's go over the people that are still alive. Uh, and then we'll, we'll also cover the people that have recently passed. But um, Snoop Dogg, of course, still there. Uh, not that old, but let's go up to Tommy Chong. Still there. Uh, so is Cheech. Both still there. Really? All the Rolling Stones. <laughs> one did just pass. Still there. Uh, and then uh, let's keep going. Who's who's the oldest one? Oh, Willie Nelson. <laughs> Willie Nelson's still there. And then the ones that... Oh, Michelin. Michelin's still alive. Dr. Oh, my Michelin. God, yes. Uh, I'm sure that he uses his own supply. And then let's go to the ones that have recently passed. Uh, Grinspoon. Dr. Grinspoon uh, was in these early 90s. And somebody else recently passed that was uh, quite old and a marijuana pioneer uh, in some respect recently. The name is. Yeah. Can't think off of the hand. Keith Strauss also, still alive. Yeah. yeah. And also, did you know that uh, one of the Doobie brothers used to work for a missile defense program? No. Yeah, I always just thought that was interesting. Oh, Frenchy Canoli was, he's passed Frenchy. as well. He was very young, but he, he was, he had a condition. Are you excited for your trip? Oh, I'm stoked to be able to get out to Humboldt. I get there in about nine days. I have I've switched back to Verizon. So good news. You guys can call me again. I'm not going to give out my cell phone on the air. And you so uh, not even once. Not even once. You have no idea how many times I get called. I get called to other things. And so now I'm thinking about getting a different email address so that we can launch uh, knowledge at Cannabis Industry Lair. There is no signal out there, so don't worry about that. Well, how am I supposed to use the GPS to find the place? 
All you got to do is ride the 101. Just take the 101. the 101. That's I'm the, landing the, in Sacramento at around 7 o'clock. It's the coastal highway. That's what you're going to have to end up anyways. I am going to end up out. so lost, it sounds like. They better, no. they better uh, you know, maybe if they had a rope that I could follow from Sacramento to, um, uh, uh, you know, Humboldt County. It's just three and a half hours away. Yeah. You'll be you'll be able to GPS it fine because the GPS signal is different than your internet signal. So you 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 have a pretty solid GPS signal in, in a lot of the Bear Woods places. But uh, you know, and hopefully while you're there, you don't see the inside the Bay Area's biggest ever marijuana bus, gym bag stuff with cash, forty Rolexes, and a thousand dollar bottles of wine. San Francisco Chronicle. Oh yeah, it's, it's just kills me that you know we still have these weird bus in the in the legal state. Uh, that's a clean Eastwood article. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not, I wasn't following along on the news. I was trying to find that other person that was in their 90s that recently passed, but never mind. So the <laughs> hey, uh, Maggie, we're going to roll this one one more time. So let's let's cut to the San Francisco news. The Bay Area has seen its biggest ever marijuana bust. Gym bags stuffed with cash, 40 Rolexes, and thousand dollar bottles of wine, according to the Alameda County Sheriff's Department. Uh, Alameda County Sheriff's Department revved up a trimmer and began hacking through a thicket of marijuana plants. This is so. This is like reading about a crime in itself. Enough to fill several rooms of warehouses in San Leandro and eventually scores of garbage bags. That's just sad. Unregulated, non-licensed, and they go in and they cut them down. Just why couldn't they? Why? Why do we have to go into strong shit? Why can't this just like get recycled to a, like a patient market? Like I don't know, but uh, it was be... one of eighteen locations sheriff deputies raided this week in San Laredo, Oakland, Hayward, and Castro Valley. A tip from eighteen months ago led to a sprawling operation with what the sheriff office called the biggest marijuana bust in Bay Area history. So chalk that one up for marijuana not being legal and also legal at the same damn time. Uh, in all, all in all, law enforcement took about 100,000 of somebody's marijuana plants, a number that could balloon to 500,000 by the time they get done doing their math, according to Sergeant Ray Kelly. And they also took 10 mil in cash and assets of 12,000 pounds of processed product ready for distribution, dozens of weapons, including handguns, rifles, and shotguns. Once again, if you have a cannabis license, try to keep the guns away from it because they'll do this type of crap. Sheriff's deputies arrested seven people, which they believe are leaders of an organized crime wing, which may have provided low-cost cannabis to licensed dealers and dispensaries. Once again, we have the uh, gray area slipping into the licensed area. Nice going, California. And that's a state uh, raid right there. It's not federal. So, you know, the state is enforcing it upon itself. So I don't know, man. Like, oh, I, I, I want to be like, this is legalization where you got to play by the rules and, and do things. But these guys clearly, you know, like when we had New Jersey Weed Man on, he talked about how he, he started with $500 and, you know, you know with a plant and then got his empire going then and take it away. I mean, that's kind of the hustle, right? So apparently these guys are pretty good at what they're doing. You yeah. know? They are. So, they are pretty good at what they were doing. But then, like, what they were doing, unfortunately, wasn't licensed. And so, you know. You get a you get a tip from a licensed grower. It's like, hey, I worked hard for that license. What are you yeah. doing? I just wish there would be some sort of like uh, instead of because um, it's a plant. So you know, couldn't they take that plant and again put it in some sort of patient network, and then the money charge them the appropriate fines and whatnot? You know, like 
I, I think there might be jail time at the end of this, unfortunately. Yeah, it's uh, but it's too difficult for them to get the license. So they just they're going to operate outside. And so that is just a way that you could show how you could legalize it wrong in the sense that it's too difficult to get a license. And therefore, an unlicensed operator is slipping product back into the license supply. Why aren't why didn't that is that where the tip came from? Because the persons uh, who's, who's selling at the licensed market is trying to do seed to sale. And they're like, hey, where did these four pounds come from, Bob? Uh, because all my uh, hypotheticals are men named Fred or Bob. And then uh, they, they can just start digging from there. And the regulatory authority or the tax authority passes it over to the sheriff. And then the sheriffs are like, finally, because all sheriffs have mustache. For those of you uh, listening in your cars, I, I put a finger mustache up and it's finally. Now we can go arrest those marijuana heads again. You know, so uh, in the article, Sean Donahue, a cannabis regulatory consultant, argued that it would not make practical or economic sense for a legal vendor to purchase from an illicit supplier. Given how closely the state tracks each plant from seed to sale and given that it's possible to find cheap cannabis in the legal market. I I, I disagree, I, I, you know, because uh, I've seen it like at the when you go to Humboldt, they grow it in the spot and they pack it like I, we've seen the. The packaging, dude, it's ridiculous how Luke, you know, shout out to Luke, uh, Frame of Flower. Uh, he showed in one of his episodes uh, how he went on Amazon and ordered all these cookies packages, all the little cookie little bags. And uh, uh, and all you need is a little heat sealer. And it had a little also the QR code bullshits. So not people. When's the last time you scanned a QR code on something you bought? I don't know. Uh, I stay in QR codes all the time. But anyway, shout out to member Ron Collins, who was talking about Mark Emery, 63-year-old Canadian pioneer. Uh, is he still around? I mean, he's, he's around. still around. That's one of the things about the Onion article, like longevity. And so he's still alive. But do you think we should have him on the show? Is he like in – Is he in, he's not incarcerated. He's legal in Canada. He's just rich now, right? No, he's, he's a combination of rich and controversial because he's got a freaky-deaky life. Oh, he's got a freaky-deaky life. Yeah, that's it. I mean, oh, well, I mean, he's Canadian. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I get it. You smoke. I get nothing. But yeah, I just, uh, um, I think it's weird how this market, you know, it's it's regulated now, but yet we're going to punish. The, that grow looked like it was well done. It oh, looked, it was it was high tech. They pumped in CO two, producing huge plants, and they had millions of dollars in this infrastructure. They were in uh, fairly large. Uh, warehouses and then 77th Ave in Oakland, where they found a bottle of Louis the 13th cognac in a refrigerator filled with thousand dollar bottles of Napa Valley wine. Once again, if you are doing some of this stuff, this is one of the reasons why I don't trust Warren Buffett because he lives in the same house and he's worth billions of dollars that he's lived in for 50 years and it's in the middle of nowhere, Lincoln, wait, Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska. Which he made so much money, he got to make that whole city cool because then you didn't have to leave. That's how you do it. He just avoided detection. He was not living large uh, in an unregulated market. But anyway, it's uh, it's something else, man. Yeah. So, so on Tuesday's deputies loaded 37.6 tons of marijuana into it. That's a lot of weed. Yeah, but I love how the law and the, the, the so I can't wait for his criminal defense lawyers to be out there and saying, like, go get them. Like, if that criminal defense lawyer is 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 listening, you do your work, man. And I hope that they had plenty in the retainer before it was all taken from them. And if that is something that other legacy operators are doing, and it's you know the the 
the restrictions have not been as bad late, lately. And so like this, this kind of thing happens, you know, when it's legal and it's some of this product was probably going out of state and then people would say oh, yeah. like Cali weed. I mean, like it's, it's branded. And so, oh, yeah. um, but like, again, this is why this is my argument. You need to pay your retainers to your yeah. lawyers. That's all. Yeah. But this is my argument of how like see the cell doesn't really help the actual regulatory side of things when it comes to like control of a product. You know what they, and again, imagine like even if plant regulation does become or lab regulation becomes rule of law, there'll be still like false reports being printed out. I mean, there's always going to be bad players out there. I, I've seen them. I've worked with them. I've done it. I, I don't like it, but there are people willing to, you know, it's just like uh, there's a lab uh, article I just read about where Utah is redefining their labs because some lab was rating weed at 40% flour. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no flower at 20 or 40%. No, I don't think so either. But it looks like in the details, uh, they may have been jumping power as well. So textbook jumping power because mm-hmm. you don't want to avoid, you want to avoid detection because your power bill is like a bazillion dollars as you're growing so much of that stuff. So they said, uh, Joyner, who is one of the, the witnesses tonight, I guess, became aware of the illegal marijuana houses in Oakland a month ago when a transformer exploded behind his legal dispensary on Oakport Street. He believes that a facility located between Oakport and Edgewater Drive sucked up so much power that it started a fire. Uh, it burned down the entire telephone pole, he said. But you see, you have a regulated operator who may have been like, boom, this thing explodes. How much, how long were they? How long were they under surveillance, do you think? That's a wonder. That's a curiosity. Because, you know, that power draw would have been huge. It would have been a red flag, too. But that's why you always jump power. It's not yours. You're just taking it from the system. You know, theft. So there were hot, hot, uh, like I jumped a hotline into the the regular line. Is that what they did? Yeah. And so they go just, uh, there's ways. And again, I don't know. Let's not talk about it because I don't, I'm not an electrician, so I don't know it. Right. right, right. Uh, and so that's just what I've heard that they do to avoid detection is you jump power. Well, and it, there's a lot of power required. Jungle Boys, they just dropped in. They uh, had to get a permit, a special permit to drop this huge, huge, like 100 kilowatt <laughs> transformer to help for the grill, just to grow alone. I thought that was amazing. But I also didn't realize the, the power being drawn out of these things sometimes. So, yeah, that could definitely have been a thing, bro. Power. That's uh, it is something that you need. Uh, and remember, don't forget to smash those likes and click subscribe if you know what your power draw is. And if you know what your power draw is, that impresses me so much that you should click the bell as well. And if you're listening in your cars, don't hit that. Yeah, don't hit anything, please. Hey, uh, so uh, Clint Eastwood wins a $6.1 million lawsuit from online scammers in CBD lawsuit in Rolling Stone. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the uh, the the old one, Clint Eastwood, is riding high after winning 6.1 million default judgment against a Lithuanian company that falsely claimed he endorsed the line of CBD gummies. Eastwood said in a statement, "Cry macho, go see it." Oh, and I am pleased that the court's ruling and believe the judgment sends a powerful message to other online scammers who might try to illegally use someone's name and reputation to sell their products. But that's fantastic that he has been vindicated and sad that internet scammers will take whatever they can to make some money. Uh, they ordered him $6 million in monetary damages on Friday. That just means now he's available for a real product. Yeah. And he'll um, use, at least get $6 million for it. Right. Dirty Harry's uh, CBD ball. 
Seriously, though, man. Make my day, pain. Oh, yes. I mean, like Shaq's shills for pain medication. And in general. Well, of course, Clint Eastwood still works. He's like, I just released a movie that I directed. Oh, yeah. And his Westerns. I mean, the guy has a huge brand. But uh, and speaking of brands. Speaking uh, of brands. Justin Bieber's latest adventure, Canvas for a Cause, Vogue magazine. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm just trying to find out. You know what? I don't think we have. Oh, there it is. There it is. It's after this story. I was trying to find out when we're going to play Name That String. You know what's funny is this, uh, when his song came out, the one that I got my peaches in Georgia, I get my weed in Cali. Uh, That song came on the radio during daytime out here. And they bleeped weed. It's like, how are you going to bleep weed? Or not bleeped it, but they just took it out. You know, like the little Weed is a a curse word. And well, I guess... and especially in a state like yours, where there's regs about you can't have that be marketed to anybody who may be under 21. And so everybody who listens to Justin Bieber, I'm assuming, is at least 21. And uh, they didn't need to bleep it, but whatever, man. Well, yeah, it was a daytime listening. But uh, then I heard it again on the radio again. They didn't. So I just thought it was weird how they hid that word. And the only reason why it stuck out is because of the word weed to me, you know. But yeah, yeah. Uh, do I, bro? Oh, you know, I was just going to talk about Justin Bieber's justifications for getting into the cannabis game. Uh, he is gone and is doing this collaboration with Danielle Cesar and Givon of the track shop of the Hot 100 when at least back in March. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's not just his laid back, sun dappled groove, but also for its lyrics that speak to Justin Bieber's newly found life of steady, blissful contentment with his wife, Haley Bieber. Boy, it's great and it also turns out that these feelings of happiness and serenity be chalked up to the sense of balance beaver is found to his ongoing mental health journey as well the benefits cannabis have made and played and this part of him reaching this point in his life i figured it would have just been the piles of money and then you know alec wait Haley, was that Haley baldwin was that alec baldwin's daughter that he's with i don't know but yeah okay and i thought he was also married to alec baldwin's daughter I can't believe this guy has mental health journeys to go on, but you know, fortunately, uh, uh, he has the money to go on them, and then also to get his own brand of weed. So I mean, weed I, was something that he found that felt people make uh, him feel bad for enjoying, but now he's found a place in his life for weed products that have been be- beneficial to his human experience. Bieber is making his first venture with his own cannabis product, collaborating with California-based Palms on a limited edition collection titled "Peaches Pre-Rolls by Palms." And a tidy nod to his re-referencing track from Justice. I'm a fan of Palms and what they are doing by making cannabis approachable, Beaver ads. I wanted to make sure that I was doing something with them that felt genuine. And Peaches felt like a good place to start. Um, A little small, though, man. The collection features 7.5 gram pre-rolls. Yeah. Well, do you know how many many grams 7.5 gram pre-rolls is? It's uh, 3.5. It's an eighth. It's an eighth. But they're small though. I, I, all this fur right here. Yeah. I need, I need at least a whole gram just so I can start off with. Well, so let's just get you one of those uh, cool, um, you know, uh, uh, cigarette holders so you don't burn your beard then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're just worried that the, 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 you know, it's going to be too close to that beard of yours. Huh? You gave me some gloves too, like little white gloves so I can mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. all. <laughs> yeah. I just think that it's interesting that we have to make cannabis approachable now. Hey, uh, would you like some cannabis? It's now approachable. Justin well, it, Bieber has a pre-roll. Right. Well, to his credit, though, Bieber is using the venture to support nonprofits, including Veterans Walk and Talk, which advocates for the medicinal use of cannabis within military veteran communities and the mm-hmm. Last Bridger Project, 
as we all know, is dedicated to criminal justice reform and cannabis well, We're going to have to look at what they call the packaging fee on uh, this licensing agreement, which clearly has happened. Somebody has the licenses to cultivate this, and then somebody else has the IP, and then some money is changing hands based upon the sales. And then those sales would also then have these proceeds that should be going to the last prisoners projects and also to v- veterans walk. But it's not like Mr. Bieber, you know, needs the money. If he if he falls out of fame and gambles it all on red and black comes up, he's still married Alec Baldwin's daughter. Uh, and so he'd be like, hey, can you hit your dad up for some money, please? You know, I, I lost it all in Vegas. Shit. Uh, if you lost it all in Vegas, I would that would be insane to watch. But because um, he's got a lot of money. But then I could see him having some mental health issues. And I'd be like, Peaches, it's approachable. Well, you got to also think, too, though. I mean, we, we, we kind of mock about his fame and, and wealth. And, and, you know, but he also, and I, and I get it. Uh, he's talented as hell. But no, but he's always been famous since as a kid, like as a teenager. Yeah, because right? he's talented as hell. He was like one of those Disney babies that were like, you know, singing and dancing in the womb and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, YouTube, that's where his, his, his start began. But then you, you get this abundant wealth. I can imagine you're psyched. If I had a kind of money at 20. I probably wouldn't be alive right now. <laughs> Man, I am so glad you were broke when you were 20. Otherwise, this podcast would just be me. And I Seriously. wouldn't be able to do that, you know? The way I live, I'll be broke forever. I got too many kids. Oh, you know what you need then? Okay. You need this next bumper, man. This next bumper is all for Miggy. everybody's favorite game it's name that strain and there it is that is organic it is and not only is it organic uh that's medicinal that is a medicinal home grow from the great state of illinois nice is this uh the one on your broadcast that you be taping that's right it is not peaches mr yukon thank you very (laughs) much for the hilarious guess i do enjoy uh how droll that is but uh that is the frosty. It's, it's frosty it's uh, led grown um organic soil it's got a little purple but not really yeah not really it's quite silver i'm kind of blaming my iphone for not taking the best picture is it dense it looks pretty dense it's pretty dense it is it is pretty dense um and it is just great i tell you what now how did did the seeds magically appear to you, or or how does one acquire? Oh, uh, that is something. It's a little bit of a gray area, to be honest. And that gray area has to do with um, hemp in its definition, uh, the weight of the seed, and also the enforcement of the laws. Gotcha. So all these things are conspiring to create all these new genetics companies that ha- don't have a license that are peddling their wares, whether they be clones that don't have THC or seeds, which also, by the way, don't have THC uh, on the Internet. Uh, so you can, I believe, access these websites and they will send you their genetics, whether in clone or seed. So it's an indica just to give people a little maybe fuzzy, fuzzy it is. there. It is. And I tell you what, this is... So, if this was a named strain, it kind of reminds me of um, the Gulf, particularly New Orleans and also Florida. Yes. But I do not believe that this strain originated from either of those places. Just the name of it is reminiscent for me of uh, the Gulf, like New Orleans or Florida. Not definitely New Orleans reminds me of because uh, Mardi Gras and uh, mm-hmm. Bourbon Street, good time. Uh, yep. But hey, while we're waiting, though. Uh, Oklahoma, watch out. Legal activity, medical marijuana industry discussed at a hearing in Yahoo News. 
Yes, yes. Illegal activity within the medical marijuana industry is among some of the topics that are discussed at a recent interim study hearing at Oklahoma State Capitol. Lori Carter, the Deputy Attorney General for Public Policy, presented information regarding the prosecution of illegal activities within the medical marijuana industry. According to Carter. Oh, go ahead. You, I've yep. said two. You do the next three. Crimes accompanying the now legal marijuana industry include fentanyl trafficking, human trafficking, and prostitution, as well as other crimes. Mm, what like the murder? <laughs> murder. Paul mm. Christian, Oklahoma Highway Patrol. Uh, by the way, you should really check out their Facebook page. You want to troll them? Reporter: mm. Oklahoma has had an approximate increase of 121, 132 percent in illegal marijuana seizures since 2018. How do you know they're illegal, sir? I know, but before we return to terrible news, with breaking news, people have guessed the name that strain. What? That's right. They've guessed it. Let's see. We got Can't can Get an Amen comes in with Slurricane. Shout out to them. Nice. Slurricane is an indica marijuana strain made by crossing dosy does with purple punch, hence my uh, mentioning of the purpling. Slurricane produces relaxing effects that come on slow. The strain has a sweet flavor profile with subtle grape-like and sugary berries. Slurricane is the ideal strain for relaxing after a long day and will keep you locked on your couch. Medical marijuana patients choose this strain to help relieve strains, uh, symptoms associated with insomnia. There's a famous drink on uh, Bourbon Street called Hand Grenades, and it's like one drink and uh, you feel good, two drinks, and uh, you're, you're handing out beads, three drinks, and you're earning beads. Mm -hmm. That's that's why Slurricane brought that on to me. It was like That uh, reminded me of the drink that may also be like that from New Orleans called the Hurricane, where how Florida has to deal with hurricanes and Slurricane and Hurricane. They kind of rhyme. So, yeah, back to Oklahoma, though. This um, Guys, if you're in Oklahoma, uh, you should really pay attention to your legislation. I know you guys are doing marches and whatnot, but pay attention to the bills being thrown on the calendar. I mean, everything's out there. Transparency is out there for you. Um, unfortunately, you know, Tom and I are only two people in our own states. You have your state. Defend that medical that you have out there because once legislatures uh, get their hands and start taking apart, like here in Washington, yay, we got recreational, but, man, we had markets. We had uh, seeds, clones I could buy. It was it was a pure capitalist market. <laughs> something else. It was something else, man. Yeah. I mean, they're talking about human traffic, and this is just fear-mongering. Fentanyl traffic, human traffic, and prostitution. Yeah, it, this is just fear-mongering. Christian said, we believe that within three to five years, Oklahoma is going to be the number one producer and exporter of marijuana in the nation. Unfortunately, there are a lot of sick people in our state and a lot of medical marijuana cards on the highways. Look, um, I wish I could share the the thing now i don't it's on my phone but i have a friend out there right now blazing america he's his website oklahoma is insane with events like here in washington uh we we, we had a bunch of events and, and a lot of things were never advertised it's always on the dl right we're like hey come to seattle hemp fest well can i smoke there i'm not gonna tell you not to but in Oklahoma, these guys are having straight up secessions. <laughs> They're just like calling it normal shit, making posters, having to meet and greets, and doing their things, and and the cops aren't fucking with them because there's other shit to worry about. You know, other crimes. You know, alcohol is out there. There's other shit to worry about than cannabis consumers or a cannabis event. That's a low hanging fruit of crime and bullshit. Yep. But, yep. I tell you. Within three to five years, Oklahoma is going to be the number one producer and exporter of cannabis in the nation. 
Unfortunately, a lot of sick people in our state and a lot of medical marijuana cards on the highway. Fear-mongering, man. It's, this is just ways for them to, if you're an Oklahoman, vote these fuckers out and put people in that are pro-cannabis because you need to protect what you got. It's it's the last vessel of goodness. But then this is the regulations coming in, like, you know, is the wild, wild west. And now they're like, okay, that's a little too wild. But then uh, the troopers... They're saying they see marijuana on nearly every traffic stop, and they're frustrated they can't do anything about it. Oh, law enforcement frustration. I'm sorry that you can't exercise your uh, impulse to arrest these people. No, Seriously, though. Yeah. What, what bullshit, bullshit answers, like, like in the Morak with that one guy from Roy from Houston or whatever from Texas talking about, like, well, when I was a prosecutor, we'd always get the, 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 the pot smoker or whatever. And then uh, plea deal him out to just possession. And then, uh, you know, that's how you get the big fish. This is bullshit. Like when it comes to like law enforcement and protecting your, your citizenry, you know, your, your people, um, the enforcing cannabis as a crime is not it. This, this is, you know, I, man, I really hope Oklahoma can just hold it together. <laughs> Well, they probably are, but you have to understand that this is just how regulation comes back. And so there's going to be some type of regulation that'll probably come in and stifle the uh, wild, wild west that's going on out there. And that's too bad. So hopefully they have a good trade industry that can push back and start uh, getting somebody uh, in Tulsa, I believe is the capital, and have somebody down in Tulsa that is lobbying for their behalf and their interests. Because, you see, now we also have somebody, Sarah Gibson, regarding the Oklahoma Water Council Resource Board. She's talking about the impact regarding the usage of groundwater being used for medical cannabis grows. Each plant can use up to six gallons of water per day, according to Mark Woodward uh, from the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics Public Information Officer, who presented on the information the dark side of medical marijuana industry. I want to see the plant that drinks six gallons a day. Yeah. yeah. Because and- I think that that plant might be like a 15 15- foot tall haze plant like your average cannabis cultivate like if i gave 50 how many gallons did you say six drown them oh yeah it would it would be wilted dead you know and so that's just one of those bombastic claims well remember that study that came out in california last year that actually said like uh the the impact of the water the farms and the water is less than they actually thought it was like it's again fear-mongering for trying to control this product that has no victim the victim is the people who think they have a chance and then they get fucked with by the system yep and they're also complaining about the burner devices that people just come in get the license knowing it's temporary grow it ship it shut it down and it's not that easy because you got to be a fucking uh a resident for six months i believe okay like what you do is you need to have it's two years residency requirements but if it's if your goal is like Set it up, grow it up, shut it down. You know, uh, again, welcome to Cannabis Legalization News, where we furiously try to comply with YouTube's policies, while at the same time discussing the realities, the practical realities of the legacy market uh, operations. Um, yeah. This is for entertainment purposes only and 18 only plus, you know. So if you're, if you're there, and so you can get a license, and so somebody just needs to be 75% that, they don't know how to grow whatsoever. You just cut them in on the deal. It comes in, it goes out. There's no tracking. And then you, you file the papers. Oh, we failed. Well, it's not even that easy, though. Like, like to, to, before you can, you, you you have to have, first it's the patient market, right? Where you can have a couple plants. But it's like but, how Weedman was saying. He's sitting on hundreds of pounds at any one time. Right. And so if you're a distributor like that, Oklahoma is cool. 
It's right, almost but, better in Cali. But how hard is it to hide, uh, say, a hundred plant grow? Hide it. Just get a license for it. Well, as I'm saying, they're not, getting, they're not getting licenses. So they, they get out there. Say I wanted to, like, like I said, my friend who's out there right now, uh, he's got his medical script. So he, he can be a part of a collective or whatever. He can grow, mm-hmm. but he can't own a business. So that's, that's, that's going to be the difference is like, there's you no can business. get a medical business. I mean, like, get the medical license to cultivate cannabis in Oklahoma is easy. Right. Provided that you live in Oklahoma. Provided that 75% of the license holder lives in Oklahoma. But I think the plant limit's different too for just the patient side of things versus the I'm a I'm gonna be a, a so you're not go, you're not you're gonna commercial grower you're a right. patient grower yeah it's different so that's what I'm saying like they're 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 doing this fear mongering that like like these large Mexican cartels are coming in establishing these huge grows with uh, uh, again uh, all the dirt all the time and labor you know the power. You know, like all of a sudden this building's going to pop out in the middle of nowhere at Tulsa and people aren't going to realize like, hey, I wonder what that beautiful smell is coming from that one building. I don't know. But again, again, this Mr. Woodward from the OBN isn't done. Uh, He says that there's also international organized crime, complex commercial growers from China, Mexico, Bulgaria and all over Eastern and Western Europe. Uh, They're licensed. They do everything right and they don't draw attention to themselves. And then Mr. Woodward quoted, they will look like the poster child when you go out to inspect. They do everything right, but 100% of the products are being moved onto the illicit market. We cannot trace the single plant for for them for what, okay, we cannot trace the plant for them for what, uh, I hate when cops talk and then you just try to read what they've said and you're like, oh, let me try yeah. it one more time. We cannot trace the single plant for them for that went to anybody who's legally allowed to have. I think you should have some dip in your mouth and then spit it to the side and then say that sentence. So there's just no, everything's, they they can go inspect it. They're complying with all the regulations, but there's no seed to sale. And so suddenly all the product's gone. But again, no record uh, for the sales. But there's gotta be a books, right? Like, like, like I'm, I'm just saying they're, they're, they're creating these scenarios that a fear mongering that don't, don't really need to exist. Because sure. you have a you have a huge business, you have a huge facility. If you have proper inspections and do proper routine uh, checks and balances, you're not going to be able. To, I mean, there, there's always going to be stuff being shuffled to the side. Hell, in our recreational market, people are buying stuff from the store and shipping it. Imagine a lot of Oregon Oregon weeds being sent to Oklahoma. So, you know, it, it's they're just fear mongering just to have that more control and. And put that nail into the medical coffin, which is sucks. Hey, man, there's some new stuff that's happening in New York. New York's Cannabis Ooh. Control Board meets and adds flour to the medical 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 cannabis program. So um, this has been legal since 2014, and they just now are getting flour in 2021. The state board tasked with rolling out rec cannabis in New York met for the first time Tuesday and immediately made major changes to the state's existing medical marijuana program. Medical pot dispos are now permitted to sell good old-fashioned marijuana in flower form per the five-member cannabis control board. Way to go to them. Prior to that change, only edibles and extracts were available in the Empire State that legalized medical marijuana way back in 2014. Watch, uh, watch New York. I bet you the market's gonna boom real fast. Like, oh yeah, as, as they, uh, as the medical catches up to the recreational expectation. Oh, know. uh, I just think the rec market's gonna dominate. I think it's gonna be like uh, Illinois, but worse because, you know, once they get the rec market that's there, 
you know, the, the medical market will, will just be those 10 providers. And so if you want medical grade weed, you'd have to buy it from like Cresco or Columbia care. Do they have, they don't shit because they don't do collectives and all that stuff there for, it's just actual, like you guys, where it's a, uh, a, a, a company like, cause how many, how many grows do you have in, uh, Illinois? We have 20 licensed cultivators. I don't think that they all those 20 licenses are the same people that's published, but then there's another 40 craft grows that just won. And then there's another 100 craft grows that are coming in December. So we'll only have uh, 120 cultivators. But presently, you only have like, say, 30 because the 20 from before. Yeah, all the, the 40 that were just awarded, they're all still scrambling to get their plans together or they're doing construction build outs that they'll be uh, working on for the next nine months or more. Yeah, that's insane for your guys' market for, for the amount of people in your state. You know, that it's not supply and demand. I, you know, we, once we just knock these barriers out, it can happen. But, um, but hey, man, think, uh, prior to this change, only extracts and edibles were allowed. And now the board is going to oversee the licensing of RecPoc businesses and eventually prove actions taken by the fledgling Office of Cannabis Management. And they're expanding the types of providers that can prescribe cannabis to include dentists, podiatrists, and midwives. midwives. Wow. Yeah. Dude, midwives are going to all of a sudden become like dudes are seeing midwives. <laughs> but then also one of the cool things is they've changed. The, they've permanently waived the state's $50 patient caregiver registration fee and increased the amount of weed a patient could purchase from a 30-day supply to a 60-day supply. So therefore, an adequate supply is very often defined as that amount of cannabis. It depends on how many. I mean, it, it's now if you want to get like medical grade weed in, in uh, New York, you're going to have to get your card. Uh, but it's going to be easier to get that card. And then you'd be able to go access the dispos probably first. But those dispos are probably going to want to sell to adults as quickly as possible. It's going to be interesting to see how New York rolls out its licensing. It'll, it'll be coming. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what it has to happen. But like I was saying, though, the medical market is is like right now, it's going to meet that recreational uh, ex, you know, expectation where you're like, what do you mean I can't get flour in a legal state? You know, like it's about time they got that rule up there. And, uh, you know, now they're going to be doing hopefully whatever their lab test requirements are. You know, these are things that people have to look at before the recreational takes over. Mm -hmm. Hey, but it could be worse. You could be in Massachusetts yeah. where Massachusetts legal pop shops are being strong armed by regulators to pay for more cops. As cannabis legalizations efforts continue in the country, some communities already enjoying legal weed have found themselves in an awkward position. If certain dispensaries want to continue operating, they must pay significant fees to their respective communities, the vast majority of which in one Massachusetts town is intended to compensate the city for adding new cops to its police force. Why did you add new cops? So earlier this month, cannabis shops stem full harvest moons and CNA stores in the city of Haverville, Massachusetts, about 35 miles north of Boston, received an itemized report on the so-called impact fees. The town claims it will occur as a byproduct of hosting the trio of legal dispensaries. Why? Yeah, man. But like I would actually, one of the things that we want our tax dollars to do is to go to buy more legal cops because Illinois has got some real crime. And if some of those cannabis dollars can put that crime down a bit because we've hired some cops, I'm all for it. I mean, it would be great if uh, the cannabis companies in these impact zones play some impact fees to hire more law enforcement in those areas so that, you know, the murders. We just had another one in Peoria. And um, I'm I'm looking forward to having a year where we don't have a record murder. 
uh, rate. You know, that would be nice. We were we're cruising to a record rate right now. We're already at like 25, I think. And that's basically our record. And it's only October. And Chicago's not that different. They call it Chirac. You know, uh, there's a lot of people that get murdered. Uh, and so if we can use those tax dollars to make the community safer, I'm all for it. Right. But they're 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 they're, they're blaming and, and, and putting uh, the weight on the cannabis. If there was three diamond stores, three jewelry shops opening up, would they blame them for more robberies locally? No, they it would just be another day in whatever life the city is. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree that the cannabis dollar can go towards making us safer. But also don't don't villainize us right away. Don't. Don't they, they 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 put all the the weed stores, all the pot shops, and mostly like the industrial areas, like mm -hmm. the bad neighborhoods, supposedly. And what does that do? They actually turn them into the better neighborhoods, right? And so I'm not, I don't agree with the theory that there's the Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission said that you know they've built this big industry, but it's not a new industry; it's replacing a listed industry. And training like police and DUI and education is going along along. Incremental cities are just incurring. I just don't buy what. So it sounds like the chairman of the Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission said that this doesn't make sense, which is interesting. So even the their regulators is pushing back on this one community that's saying that they need to hire more cops because of the uh, crimes associated with dispensaries opening up. I, I, is there a risk of theft? Sure. But there's risk of theft if the jewelry store opens up in your block. You know, it, nobody really says, uh oh, the jewelry store has to pay an additional tax to hire more cops because, you know, people steal jewels. And, you know, and you know why the cannabis is a, is a target or, or attracts more crime? Because it is a target for cash only business. You know, right. if, if the world was right, you could pay with your credit card and then they could uh, uh, make deposits without, you know, threat of personal life. Oh, oh excuse me. Yeah. And so that's interesting. Uh, Haver, Haver Hill, Massachusetts, has go got these impact fees. But the chairman for the Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission isn't called Haverfield. He's called Steve Hoffman. And he doesn't buy it. And he also uh, doesn't buy that they say this $1.3 million that Haver Hill now is going to use to hire six new cops and two new cruisers and uniforms, weapons, holsters, and other equipment for an annual cost of more than $860,000. But Hoffman pushes bats and says, there's no evidence to suggest that a boost in police presence is actually necessary because there have not been increases in youth consumption or crime hospital admissions nationwide. He's explained this. And then the best evidence for Northampton, which is no longer asking for mitigation fees because they've recognized there really aren't any incremental expenses they've incurred. I applaud them for recognizing that. And so the regulators are pushing back in Massachusetts against cities like Haber Hill when they try to levy these types of fees unnecessarily on uh, the backs of cannabis companies. But, you know, in, in certain areas, I mean, like, I wish that they had more in their budget to hire but then in areas right. like this where they have enough in their budget to hire, why? I'm going to pass on that. Fuck cops. We don't need more cops. They don't, <laughs> <laughs> they don't help. But um, on that note, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you like and subscribe. Keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We will see you on. Actually, we'll see you next Wednesday. See you next Wednesday. Thanks.